Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Yvette. A focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally. Mentally yours, mentally yours, mentally yours. Welcome back to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly podcast about all things mental health. I'm Ellen. And I'm Yvette. And this week we're chatting to Harry Rice. He's a PhD researcher and a podcaster. We're going to be finding out all about his mental health podcast, Largon Mind. I had a bit of a tricky time after I left or kind of towards the end of my time at university and then uh and then just after um I had issues around kind of chronic pain which um I don't know if you know but has quite a lot of uh psychological stuff around it so uh that quite quickly morphed into um anxiety and then uh and then depression um and so for a couple of years after after I finished university, I just, you know, I suffered quite badly from it. And um, I didn't really feel that I got the right support or maybe not the right support. I didn't really feel that that listened to. And, you know, when I went to the GP, they um, the first couple of times it was kind of not ignored, but kind of played down and then after I kept going back, they, um, they put me on a waiting list for, for CBT, but that waiting list was kind of 12 weeks long. And, um, for someone having suicidal thoughts, I thought that was, that wasn't really okay. And, and, and in the end, I, I was quite lucky that, um, my dad's a doctor and, uh, I could go and see one of his colleagues who's a, a health psychologist. Um, so I started seeing him, got better through that and then um 
and then eventually I did go on on antidepressants, which I'm I'm still I still take today. I still take quite a strong dose of them today. Um, but yeah, so going through that, I kind of wanted to speak to as many different people about their kind of experiences of mental health, um, but also people who kind of work in mental health. So we've had we've had kind of world leading psychologists and psychiatrists on talking about their research. Um, but then also people that, that have had their own experiences of mental health. And I just wanted to get as much for my own benefit as, as anything else, just wanted to get like a broader range of perspectives on mental health as, as possible. Can you tell us a bit about the name? Because am I right in thinking, I think that from my previous research into like Hugo, it's like a word that means like balance, essentially. Why, why did you choose that name? Why was that important to you? I, when we started, I started it with a, a couple of friends who um, no longer, I just do it by myself now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm half Swedish uh, and Lagom ah. is a Swedish word, which kind of means, uh, I suppose, essentially balance. Um, so not too much, not too little. And it was the idea of kind of, we were kind of brainstorming around what to call it. And then I kind of thought that was quite a good motto, kind of, spending enough time thinking about your mental health, but not too much time, you know, devoting enough time to kind of looking after yourself, but not letting it become all encompassing. Um, so it's all about kind of, I suppose, having like a, a balanced life and a balanced mind. Um, and yeah, being half Swedish as well, I thought it was quite a nice, nice word. How do you personally achieve, and I'm, apologies for butchering any pronunciation, but Lagom, how do you make sure that you are doing that in terms of looking after your mental health and thinking about that, but not letting you know mental illness take up every part of your existence? Yeah, I think it's it's tough, mm-hmm. and I think when you're when you're in like the real nadir of of depression, it can just become totally Mm all-encompassing and at that point it is really tricky um so when I'm when I get into that real low the things that that are really important for me to do are to kind of stick to a routine um so go to bed at the same time wake up at the same time um exercise is very important for me so like because of um because of the chronic pain issues like going to the gym strengthening stretching but that also feeds into kind of part of the routine. Um, and then also not kind of, not kind of shutting myself off. So um, quite often or before, like when I reached that low, I would just shut off everything around me. Like I would stop really replying to texts as quickly. I would stop being that talkative. Um, but for me, you've got to, as much as you can keep doing those things. So that's, those are kind of the, um, my psychologist calls them non-negotiables. Those are the non-negotiables when, when I get to that really low level. Um, but then on a, on a kind of, kind of higher level, like the things I do every day, I still take, um, I still take my antidepressants. Exercise is really important. I found CBT incredibly useful. Um, it's obviously not perfect, but but I found it really useful and I found mindfulness really useful as well in terms of when it first got suggested to me, I was like, I just didn't see how it could help at all. And I struggled with it for a long time in terms of being able to actually do it. 
and do it consistently. But once I got it kind of doing it consistently and, and keeping on doing it every day, I found it really helpful. So those are the kind of, I've got the kind of things that I'm when, when I'm in a very low place that, that are kind of non-negotiable and that I have to keep doing. And then I've got other stuff that's like everyday stuff that kind of just keeps me, keeps me ticking along, if that makes sense. So tell us more about um, the podcast. Um, can you share with us some of your favourite episodes and guests? Yeah, I can. So, um, yeah, so like I said, the idea is to kind of talk to as many different people as possible about their experiences in and around mental health or their work in it. So some of them that I found particularly interesting, we spoke to a guy called uh, Robin Carhart-Harris a few months ago. Um, and he's kind of a world leading researcher in the use of uh, psilocybin. So the kind of key compound in magic mushrooms, uh, looking into how that can potentially help people with mental health issues. Um, so that was something that I just never really thought of as like, I, I knew what the drug was I knew it gave you hallucinations all that kind of stuff but I never thought about it from like a therapeutic standpoint um and he kind of explained the kind of history of it why it got why it got banned um why it got scheduled as a as a as a very dangerous chemical which meant that the research on it got you know pretty much banned for almost 50 years but then he helped explain like why why it could happen why it could be therapeutic and and the fact that you that they're very careful where they research it so he was at imperial college um and i think he's now at ucla um he was very careful to explain that it's not just they don't just stick you in a room and and give you a pill there's a whole build-up of therapy to it and then there's a whole load of aftercare for it um so i found that as like a just as a completely novel mechanism for for treating depression, I found that absolutely fascinating. Um, other ones I found interesting. Um, we spoke to Alistair Campbell a few, if probably last year or two years ago, and that was really fascinating to see. Fascinating, but also uh, I think quite inspiring as well. In terms of, I'd never fully appreciate it. I knew he was a big advocate for mental health and and did lots of talks on it. But I never really appreciated just how ill he was uh, and how ill he was whilst holding down, you know, amongst the most important jobs in, in the country. And the fact that he could be so blunt's the wrong word, but the fact that he could be so open about how much he suffered, um, but was also like achieving things at the same time I found that quite inspiring and he, he had a he had a really good mantra which was um he didn't so when he felt like a bad episode coming on he would be very open about it and say you know if he was I think he gave the example of being at a dinner party and said look I just need to go to bed now I'm sorry like I'm, I'm sorry, everyone, but I need to go to bed because otherwise I'm gonna. I can see my mood slipping even further, and it's not going to be any fun to be around. And the fact that he could be like that honest with his friends and colleagues to say that, 
look, I'm having a bad time. Um, I'd probably be better tomorrow, but just give me, give me a, a bit of a break and, and, and I'll come back tomorrow and hopefully better. I found that quite, quite interesting as well. Um, but it's been a real range of people. So we've spoken to other MPs, um, spoke to Johnny Mercer about his kind of OCD, um, and then other kind of psychologists and psychiatrists. Um, I do find speaking to sports people quite interesting as well, because I think they've got quite a unique perspective on how to balance kind of pressure. Um, but when that flips over to, to being something more serious, um, and I'm also interested in how they kind of away from, you know, there's obviously a distinction between having a, uh, diagnosed mental health issue, but also how they prepare themselves for their events when they've got, you know, one shot to do something. Um, I find that really interesting as well. So yeah, it's a, it's a real range of people. I think, um, one of my favorite things about doing mentally yours, but also being a journalist is that for me personally, I get to ask some of like the top experts questions and can just be like, yeah, it's for an article or it's for an episode when it's in fact just personal advice to me about dealing with mental illness. Um, do you do the same thing? And if so, um, what's kind of the most helpful life-changing stuff that you found out or you've heard on your podcast? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I'm just trying to think in terms of what's the, the, the best advice I've given or I've been given. Um, really early on, we spent, I spoke to um, a guy called uh, Jaimal Yogis, who who's a journalist in the US. Uh, and like, for some reason, this one quote has always stuck out to me. Um, and I think he said it, but he might have taken it from someone else. But it was, uh, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf. And it was, it kind of shifted my perspective on... Um, on things. I love that. Yeah. So it's like, you can't stop what's happening to you. And the more you push back against it, sometimes the worse it gets, but you can kind of equip yourselves with the tools to better surf those ways and better, better take them on. So yeah, that was, that's like one, I don't know why it sticks out at me um, so much, but there was that one piece of piece of advice. Um, and I think also, like I've spoken to a couple of people about um, about issues around chronic pain and um, the one thing that kind of was quite reassuring was that the things that my psychologist was saying to me, other people were also kind of echoing. Um, so one of the first things uh, my psychologist did with me was, um, was introduce me to mindfulness uh, and when he first said it, I was like, I just, I was a bit taken aback. I was like, how on earth is this going to help? Um, like, I've got so many thoughts spinning around in my head and it's so constant. And you want me to try and f focus on one thing for one minute or whatever, he, whatever he said. Um, but then the kind of, he gave me a book called Finding Peace in a Frantic World. And uh, I eventually ended up speaking to one of the authors of that and kind of digging into the 
the science around what he said or what what my psychologist has said to me and then supporting that with what other people have said and um and looking into the to the research that they'd done on it it was kind of quite uh supportive and it's if someone tells me to do something quite often i won't just take it at face value like because i think there's quite a lot of uh snake oil kind of people in mental health sometimes and a few kind of things that that maybe don't work um so i like to look into the the kind of science behind it so to be able to like take something like mindfulness and then be like oh okay actually i can speak to danny penman who wrote this book on it or this researcher who's done the research on on why it can be good for chronic pain was really useful for me personally because i was it just enabled me to to really fully engage with something and to to not have a kind of skeptical mindset that this is never going to work i'm going to be like this forever which i think is is quite a common thing when you're kind of in the nadir of of of, of depression it definitely is because I'm nodding along to the scepticism, which is like anytime anyone gives advice, I'm like, yeah, but that won't work for me yeah. because I'm special and different. Yeah. So any kind of backup that like actually no, it will work. Like I feel like one of the things during the pandemic that both Yvette and I said, we kept hearing from guests and it took such a long time to actually like sink in was the importance of having a routine in lockdown yeah and i think for both of us every week these experts were saying you really need to have a routine we were both kind of like yeah sure and then it took a few months to be like actually no they're 100 right yeah so it's good to have the podcast even if it's just to confirm like no the advice is right and you should actually listen to it yeah but i think it's hard when when people tell you that you need a routine uh, mm. you don't actually realize like the benefits of having a routine until you you don't see the benefits of it until you actually start doing it so it can be very well someone like keep telling you it but unless you've actually like implemented it it's the same with um with mindfulness and cbt i think Mm. everyone tells you the benefits of it but i think what quite often gets missed out is that these things are called practice for a reason like you actually have to practice them for them to have any like consistent benefit for you so like Mm -hmm. for me cbt and mindfulness were great but because my head was so busy and because i was in such a bad place i actually needed to start my antidepressants to kind of this is the way that i i kind of feel it went i needed to start those antidepressants to kind of flatten me out and then that mm-hmm. that allowed me to fully engage with things like mindfulness, things like CBT, uh, getting back to exercise. So it was a kind of the antidepressants like allowed me to do like a positive feedback loop for the stuff that that would actually like enhance the quality of my life as well. Uh, I don't know if that, yeah. if that makes any sense. Oh, no, very, very much same because I feel like it is when I was really in the pits of depression you know people would say you should exercise like it's really good for you and it's like but I can't do that right now because I'm severely depressed so then yeah you're right it's the sometimes it's the antidepressants that get you to the point that you can even consider doing those other things that you know on some level are good for you and will help but yeah it's impossible to do it 
when you're in the absolute you know depths of depression and feeling at your lowest yeah and I think it's quite hard because I feel like antidepressants get quite a bad rap and I would Mm. would never say to anyone you know they're like a, a panacea but for me I don't know if they would have got me to the place I am now if I'd just taken them. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have done. But for me, what they allowed me to do was combine it with other stuff, which helped me to get better. But without them, I don't know if I would have been able to do the other stuff. Um, so I know that they get quite a bad rep and the kind of how well they work is quite debated. Um mm. But for me, I was also incredibly lucky that the first antidepressant that I took, I don't know if it was placebo or whatever, but it worked for me. And I think a lot of other people have to kind of chop and change and get quite nasty side effects. Um, so I don't know if I was just very lucky in terms of the first one that I took worked for me and I get some side effects, but I don't get anything major. Uh, so I think I was quite lucky in that in that sense. That's one of the reasons I found your... Um your episode on psychedelics so interesting because there was I think there was a thing in there about possibly they might have less side effects than the current treatments that we have um which is they he, to be fair he said there were you know there were some but there might there might be less and um yeah it's interesting to just have that conversation at all isn't it about sort of side effects it feels sometimes when you're on medication that people haven't sort of thought about the fact that oh you might be gaining weight or losing your hair or whatever it is um but anyway yeah really fascinating episodes you have up on the podcast what are you most this is a huge question <laughs> huge question for you now um what are you most proud of in terms of what you've achieved with the podcast and what are your plans for the coming year the podcast was originally like a, a side element of what of what we were going to do so when i started it with uh, two other friends um we were actually trying to code um an uh, a mental health app to help student mental health and we 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 achieved that and we entered an entrepreneurship competition which was kind of the the kind of premier entrepreneurship competition for for people under 25 in the UK and we won the kind of first regional round of that so we got some money for that uh, which is how I bought my podcast equipment. And then from that, we got to to go to something called Founders Forum, which was, it's a, a, a big tech event started by a guy called Brent Hoberman, I think he's called. It basically invites very, I don't want to say big deals, but like it's a big event where, you know, you have speakers like uh, royalty was speaking, ex-prime ministers were speaking, um, and all these people are kind of like in and around the audience listening as well. Um, but the kind of final pitch of that, of the event, was that we had to go up against the five other regional finalists. Um, so we had to pitch in front of a room of about probably 500 people. And it was a very posh event. Um, you know, like I said, there was ex-prime ministers, uh, ex-leaders of parties, royalty from around the world in this room and we had to do you got introduced on stage by um Davina McCall and we you had to pitch this idea and as part of that five minute pitch I had to speak about 
my own mental health. And if you told me that, you know, three years earlier or two years earlier, that I would have been able to do that, that I would have been able to stand up in front of a room of 500 people, let alone 500 people I'd never met before, let alone it being 500 people who are the tops in their field of, of what they do and talk about my own kind of vulnerabilities and and suffering, I would never have believed you. And that was a kind of, that's the thing I'm most proud of, the fact that I was able to do that and the fact that actually, it, for me, it kind of means that, you know, when I'm struggling with something, so I'm doing a PhD as well, when I'm struggling with something in my PhD or, you know, I have to give a, a talk or I have to go and teach, when I start to worry about that, I'm like, I can just go back to that moment and be like, you did it, you you know, you spoke about the rawest thing that's ever happened to you in your life in front of a of a big room. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's the thing I'm most proud of. In terms of um, what we've got coming up in the future, um, I've got a couple of kind of cool, cool guests lined up. Um, and it's, I think it's all about just trying to, like, it's a very selfish thing for me, but it's amazing to be able to speak or to reach out to people that I find interesting and be like, can I speak to you about this? And they say, yes, like it's, I don't think it will ever get old. And like I said, it's like a selfish thing, but I get so much advice and like so much knowledge from these people that I think even if only if a one other person listened to it, the fact that I've got to talk to them and I've got to pick their brains about things that I care about, I think is really cool. So just just carrying on on doing that really and finding people that have interesting stories, people that are doing interesting work. Yeah, I think that's what it's all about really. I think final question from me would be you mentioned dream guests. Who are your like big, mad you know, unlikely to happen, but you'd like to put it out into the universe dream guest? Because I would say mine are probably at the moment Ariana Grande, Kanye West, and the writer of Euphoria as well. So who are yours? I think Kanye West would be quite an interesting one. Um, He'd be so interesting. <laughs> uh, I think for me, like, I'm kind of sports, sports mad. So like, mm-hmm. um, I would love to talk to... Uh, someone like Simone Biles, mm. uh, I think I think she's incredible, um, and I think yeah, I just think she'd be amazing. Someone like Ben Stokes, uh, England cricketer, spoken about his he took time off in the last six months um, to talk about his his kind of mental health, but I don't necessarily think that they would have like they would obviously be fascinating, but I think. I find equally fascinating the kind of the researchers that you've never heard of that, you know, you've never heard of before until they mm. publish an interesting paper. So like Robin Harris, who spoke about psychedelics was a real, like probably the best guest I've had because it was just so different and it was just so, it was just something I had no idea about before. So like, I think people like that as well, um, people who are really doing kind of groundbreaking or potentially groundbreaking revolutionary research, I think 
are just as interesting as someone like Simone Biles or, you know, you saw the Winter Olympics recently, someone like Michaela Schifrin or Ben Stokes. So, yeah. Yeah, no shade to Simone Biles, and I'm sure she'll be a great guest. But yeah, I agree. I think a lot of the, some for us, some of the best guests have been, you know, not celebrities, not like people who have, you know, really refined um, talking about mental health, but are just sharing their stories in a really honest way. I think that's so powerful. And I think, yeah, researchers as well. It's just, I think we're all very curious, nosy people. So anyone that's got some interesting kind of research on mental health and mental illness, it's fascinating. Yeah, and I think those, because I'm doing doing my PhD at the moment, I think what people don't realise is that typically, like when a researcher does research and publishes a paper, like it's a very kind of, it's, they're very small fields. So when someone from outside your field comes and shows interest in it to you, you you will be like oh wow someone is interested and it's a really useful way well, I think podcasts in general uh, are a really useful way for academics to kind of disseminate the work they're doing to a much wider audience and and and, and there is an argument to say that the work that that they do because I don't know about you but I'm not going to go away and read like an academic paper in psychology but if I can hear someone distilling that information in a way that I'll understand it I think that's got a much more powerful reach potentially than just publishing in an academic journal so this is goodbye from mentally yours so go away enjoy your day get on with all your chores from mentally 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 yours mentally yours mentally yours struggling with any of the issues we've been chatting about today please give the samaritans a ring on 116 123 you can also find them online at samaritans.org you can find us online we have a twitter account which is at mentally yrs and you can also join our lovely facebook group which is simply called mentally yours see you next week Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.